Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Landscape Nerd Podcast, and you are listening to episode three of the first episode of the Hard Work series, where we will talk to people about Michael Tolderon, the host of the Landscape Architecture Podcast, and how his story gives us all an opportunity to evaluate some of the tougher emotions and circumstances that we face as designers in the field of landscape architecture. If you haven't done so already, please go back to the introduction episode where I list off the episodes and the topics that they cover, and that way you can kind of guide yourself through this mini-series. Now on to the episode. He was a fine artist before he found his way into landscape architecture, and he has always introduced very ambitious ideas to those around him, which can leave a lasting impression and even help form lifelong friendships and connections. Today, we are speaking to Sam Davis, an artist, professor, and a good friend of Michael's. Yeah, for sure. Anything for Totoran. Yeah, that's how it works with Mike. He draws you in. Uh, we met, so I was a graduate student at UNLV, and he was an undergraduate. Um, and at UNLV, the when you do BFA, they treat it like a grad program. So the undergraduates had to apply for BFA. It's like a fifth year, like a little extra year. And um, if you get it, not everyone gets it. Like a lot of colleges, like it's pretty, you know, yeah. If you get in the program, you're going to get your BFA, but at UNLV, you had to apply. And if you got it, then you got a studio. And I think that was the first time we met is he moved into the studio next to mine. So the the, the BFA studios were like a closet. They're like little tiny, right. like five, five by eight things. And then the grads got like a full size, like a 20 by 12 studio. And uh, I, he was in there doing something like moving stuff around or working he was always working <clears throat> and uh he's super friendly you know he's kind of gregarious and comes up to people and uh he just introduced himself and um i think that was the, that was the first time so like in 2000 2003 i think was when we first met but i think the first impression was his tattoos because uh that wasn't super common i mean i guess it was but his were different and he just immediately reminded me of home because i grew up in um Pensacola, Florida, which is a Navy town. My dad was a drill instructor. And so I kind of grew up on the base and he just always exuded that ex-military kind of, he was young, but he's, he just gotten out of the, the Coast Guard. He just had that vibe. And so that was like the first thing I thought of him was that he was just like someone I was familiar with already. It probably helped a lot with us being friends. Like I think just that we were kind of from the same background one way or the other. Oh yeah, that's definitely. Uh... And I used to, I used to sail a lot. So like, you know, growing up on the water with boats and stuff and Mike being a sailor, we just kind of clicked with sailor stuff. I was going to say also, <laughs> then being in UNLV. Yeah, landlocked, totally. Yeah, not, not a lot of sailing. I, if I remember right, the one the, one of the tattoos that I remember the most is on, the, I think it's on the back of his calf. I don't know if he, maybe he covered it up. He used to have a SpongeBob square pants and I was like. <laughs> so I just... never met Michael in person, so I actually have, I've talk to him it, on. it could be it could be a flawed memory but i just remember being like this guy is like such a hard motherfucker and he's got this <laughs> spongebob tattoo <laughs> and then when i thought about it he kind of seemed a little bit like spongebob you know he's kind of happy and well not always but he just <laughs> hopefully you know, he told me to be honest so. <laughs> yeah, 100% honest. i hope i'm not totally confusing him with someone else was i see so many tattoos as a teacher oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> But I'm pretty, I bet money on it. It's hard to forget that one. 
What did you think about Michael's admission or discussion about his struggle with alcohol? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't say he had a problem. <laughs> he, he was just he was just in the class. Um, yeah, I think, you know, those years, I'm sure he talks about it. I haven't really listened to his recent, I'm sorry, Mike, I haven't listened to his most recent podcast, but um, th those years at UNLV, I think a lot of us kind of found ourselves in the middle of the desert with scholarships and, um, and expecting this crazy experience. And I don't know if it was the school responding to this guy quitting, because it was super like infighting political kind of stuff but i feel like a lot of the professors kind of stepped up on their game and a lot of the students came to compete and so at least for the graduate students <clears throat> we had these you know the, the two years ahead of me three-year program the two years ahead of me were uh from that old school and they were like crazy competitive and they were all getting really big shows in major cities and doing awesome stuff and so I mean, my graduate class joining that was, we were super competitive. And I think all the BFAs that were in that building just really picked up on that vibe. And so um, the BFAs having that fifth year, they were in a lot of our uh, graduate seminar classes. And, and we also had moments where we would critique uh, kind of together. And so it was, they were very much a part of our program, even though they weren't grads, they were, they were all doing amazing work. And so, um, you know, part of that was we would have, you know, graduate seminar at the bar often. And um, some of the professors are pretty well known for, you know, just having like cocktail breakfasts and, and you know, having classes. One of the one of the most memorable things was one of the graduate professors. And I was trying to remember which one it was, but he came in and talked to us when we first this graduates first got there. And he said, you know, you guys come from all over the country and you're really talented and you're one of your major challenges here is not only to make work, but to survive living here. And you go, some of you are not going to make it. Some of you are going to go to the casinos and the bars and the strip clubs, and you're not going to come out and you're not going to make work and you're going to fail at doing this. And he goes, this is a hard city to live in. There's everything you could want 24 hours a day. And you're going to have to navigate how you're around all that. And a lot of us did great. I think Mike did great, but um, you know, it was not a place you could be sober in, in any way. I don't think. And some people like visiting artists and lecturers came and they were kind of, they didn't understand how to deal with the students bringing cocktails in their backpacks and everyone was just drinking all day long. And I've actually seen some professors there just kind of eat it. They just can't hang with all the party. So, you know, I, I'm sure Mike has his own feelings about how he accomplished that, but I think he did. Okay. I don't remember. I mean, we're all a little out of control at times okay. in terms of Mike. I mean, we all, we had Friday parties, like we had a graduate seminar on Friday and then we had, these huge sort of cookouts at the studios with, you know, all manner of alcohol and substances. And um, so that was a regular fixture kind of thing. And we would also all go bowling a lot as, as undergrads and grads and uh, a lot of drinking. And so I think the only time I ever saw Mike really out of control is we were leaving a bowling alley or that was actually a casino that had a bowling alley and we we're walking out and I don't gamble, but I have a tendency to put like a dollar in a slot machine if I have one on the way out. And I did. And it hit, it hit like three of the, three of the things. It was like a penny slot or something stupid. So it was like $10 or something. Not, I mean, I don't know. That would have been a lot of money in college, but whatever it was that it didn't click, you know, I don't know if you play slots, but sometimes you'll hit the real, but it won't click. And so you don't get the payout. And, um, 
I was just like, oh, that's stupid, whatever. And Mike was like, no, fuck this. And he punched the slot machine and shattered the glass. And I was like, we got to get out of here. We're leaving right now. I grabbed him. I think my, whoever I was dating at the time, we both grabbed his arms and we're like, we're walking out right now. And don't look back because, you know, doing something like that, you'll get 86 for the casino. Never be able to come back. And then it's bad news. And so I, I don't know if he ever went back there on his own, but that, that was like the only really crazy thing I ever saw him do other than just be a sailor. You know, we always a lot of people ask about the grad program, the undergrad program. And I was like, you know, if you ever saw a movie about, you know, art school and just shenanigans or like Animal House, it was I mean, if you could imagine, not only is it a college, but it's a college in Las Vegas. It's like the hangover for three years. It's just nonstop ridiculous stories. And, you know, like half of the half of the students were dancing at clubs like stripping or bartending or working night shift at some 24-hour restaurant yeah. i mean so there's always some place to go and some trouble to get into so that's um, crazy yeah i never sure. really thought of it that way like because i think normally when i hear about schools that are in big cities they're never actually like in the big city right they're like on the right they're a little bit away well i taught i taught in los angeles for six years so it's interesting you know, not quite parallel <laughs> to go <laughs> totally different trouble, trouble of a completely different kind in, in oh. Los Angeles. Talk about Los Angeles. So Michael kept saying, I I'm so LA. That was a that was a phrase that he kept yeah. saying a lot. And I and I asked him, I was like, so like what does that mean? <laughs> I'm so like, because I'm from Cleveland. I just oh my gosh. Reno. I don't have any concept of what LA really yeah. is like in movies. Yeah, for uh, sure. I mean, it's it's a crazy thing. Like, uh, now that you say that, yeah, for sure, Mike is very L.A. And he went to school. I mean, you should ask him. I can't remember the name of his high school, but he went to, like, the L.A. high school. And, you know, when I taught in L.A., the thing I had noticed is, like, all these kids went to high school with celebrities' kids, and it's a weird mix. And that's true. And Mike did all the things. You know, he skated, he surfed, and that's a big culture to be a part of. Like, you can't, can't wash that out. You know, it's going to stick with you forever. And his language, you know, it's definitely – Southern California. And, uh, you know, he is one of his, uh, thesis projects was making a whole, um, font set based off of street graffiti, uh, graffiti of a particular kind. And he took it so seriously. And he was, I mean, he got down to the, you know, the linguistics of it and stuff. It was really beautiful that he, so yeah, I mean, he's really, I think that's one of the things about people in LA, they love it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think Mike has a streak of that, you know, there's things about LA that you just, if you just love, you love. And I think now that I'm gone, there's a couple of things I love, but uh, Mike loves a lot. So. so Michael doesn't actually live in LA anymore. He moved relatively recently and I wanted to get an idea of why someone like him who loves LA so much and is entrenched in the culture and it's a part of his identity would leave the city. Uh, you know, I think everyone has a moment where you, you either have to fully commit or you have to, I think, you know, with Mike having a kid, getting out of LA makes a ton of sense. Like it's just, you can't afford to have a decent, you know, home life in LA unless you're just killing it. And, yeah. and if you're going to kill it, then you're killing yourself too, in some way. So I, I think it's different for him because he is sober and uh, <laughs> because he does have a family. And I think if I had kids, this would, I don't know, maybe be a place I'd consider. But I think the best memories of Mike are the good ones. Like, so I remember Mike, uh, I, you know, he's got that, he's got that sort of uh, contagious energy that you don't like, you know, you just said it, yeah. you, you don't want to say no to Mike, you know? And I mean, so Zoom even, I'm like, 
okay (laughs) yeah for sure (laughs) he should sell he should really sell stuff because yeah he's got a gift but um yeah i can't remember what year it was but he decided to do a a print exchange and i'd done those in undergrad and i'm sure yeah of course you know and uh you know he had you know being mike he had like this official form you know it was like you know had like all the information it was like a contract it was like everything that mike has ever done that I've known about has been so legit. Like it's just always been like, he is, he's a total sailor. It's always like right and tight. And it's like, everything's on, you know, ready to go. And so, uh, of course I said, yes. And then, uh, you know, I saw some of my friends were doing it and it was like super exciting. And, and, uh, by the time he was done, he'd gotten almost everyone that was worthwhile getting to participate, to, to agree to do this. And then he got this, the sculpture professor to make like a, a case for it, like a, a steel formed, case that all these prints would go in and then he had a show and it was just like everyone came and it was so amazing and now you know like that print portfolio is like i would never part with it because it's like some i think there's a couple people that aren't with us anymore and like just some really good people that went on to do awesome stuff and you know mike always has had that like foresight to know like what's coming next and to like kind of cultivate it so uh so that was awesome memory um he did that with a few things, you know, he did this like crazy skateboard show. And I was like, I, I don't know, dude. He's like, no, I got a skateboard. I'll give it to you. Paint on it. It's going to be great. And I was like, <laughs> all right, man, I'll do it. And then sure enough, like I sold it. Like I sold this stupid skateboard for like really good money. And then he was like, I, you know, he was that kind of guy that even at that time, he was like, this person bought it. Like she's really important. That's a really big deal. And I was like, cool. That's a skateboard you know but he was so right like that sale actually helped me so much later like to get into a gallery it was really bizarre and so he always kind of had a a sort of foresight on stuff like that that in his music remember he gave me like i don't remember how many mp3s when mp3s were like a thing like gold and (laughs) it was like you know like a terabyte of bizarre music i still have a lot of it actually so that, that those are like positive uh, to memories. Like I said, I don't really have any bad ones. Like, that's awesome. No, like, like, that's yeah. fantastic. I think that's something for... Yeah, for sure. Oh, I feel like he'll... I don't know if he's a crier or not. I am. I would I have, after hearing <laughs> probably I've never, people. Not that he's like a super masculine... I mean, he is, but I've I've never seen Mike cry. I don't know. I That's like unicorn tears. I, don't I know might. I think I might go for it. I think I might. Let me know if that happens. Yes. <laughs> let's, let's, let's bottle those. They're worth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, they're worth money. <laughs> That's fantastic. He's the most professional person I've ever known, and like I don't know, like he's been really cathartic lately, talking about his struggles and stuff. Yeah. I've never really seen him struggle. Like I've always seen him like look at challenges and like I got to fix this. <laughs> you know, Mike's just one of those people like I would never say no to, and in, and in return, I just feel like if you ever need help, you can call Mike and he'll, he'll probably show up. He'll probably get in the car, get on a plane and and he would show up for you. And I just feel like you can't, you can't say no to someone like that. It's like a mitzvah. So you just have to do these things. Thank you for those kind words and that amazing conversation about what it was like back in the day in UNLV and understanding Michael a little bit as an artist and how he really pushed for those connections and those big ideas and how it ended up helping not just himself, but also networking for his friends. And I think that's awesome. Now, Michael emphasized that he didn't want this to be some sort of fluff piece on him. And I 
totally agree with that. So this next guest, not that, <laughs> not that he has things negatively to say, but it's just not as warm or fuzzy because this person was Michael's teacher. It was his professor when he came to the Ohio State University for his master's of landscape architecture. I don't think that many of us have a desire to go to our teachers and professors and say, hey, what did you think of me when I was at this really intense point of my life? And I think it's great that Michael is brave enough to have us dive into that. I guess I wonder, would it really be that bad? Or what's the worst thing that someone would have to say? I got some things to say about Michael Toro. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um. We're listening to Jason Kenter. He is Michael's former professor at The Ohio State University. Uh, he is still teaching there now. And actually, he and I have crossed paths before. So it was really fun to be able to talk to him as someone who was probably more familiar with him at this point than I was with Michael. I met Michael, uh, I was a grad, I was uh, maybe in my first or second year as graduate studies chair, which didn't mean much, but uh, I, I remember very distinctly his orientation uh, because, you know, he sat in the front row center very, de very deliberately. And then you do that whole thing you know, where the whole faculty kind of lines up and says who they are and probably intimidates the group uh, <laughs> to some degree. And uh, Michael's sitting there and he's, you know, I got a little bit of time to look over folks and everything. And, and he has hard work tattooed across <laughs> his knuckles, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know, I can't remember if I commented to him that day. I don't think I probably would have like said it right then and there, but I'm sure once I got to know him, I know that I was like, I told him in my brain, I was like, boy, you got no idea what you, <laughs> you know? but Hey, you know, you put it on your knuckles. You're not shy about it. So first time, you know, I, I, I taught first year studio. So we, and we had a group uh, at that time we had a, the beginnings of a regular New York trip that I did as part of their studio. So I got to spend a lot, a, quite a bit of time with him and his classmates at the start of things. And uh, he was always, he was not hard to uh, remember because he was engaged. He was just, you know, would always, you know, either ask a question or have, have an idea that, you know, he wanted, wanted to talk about. And, he came from a creative and an artistic background. And so different that, and this, you know, ours was a first degree program. And so different from a lot of students that are coming from backgrounds that, you know, he could draw whatever he wanted to draw. He could, you know, he understood what the process was. I think, you know, if I could qualify or characterize his, where his learning curve existed, it was, you know, in the kind of testing and validating as opposed to just pure creative thinking, right? As the, the ideas would go this and that and this, you know, and focusing Michael was, you know, was principally his maturation of, of stuff. And, and some of it also just is for any student, he's just throwing stuff up and saying, is this what they, 
Is this what's going to stick? Yeah. Is this what you're talking about? Yeah, is this what you're talking about? Um, but uh, no, I, you know, I had, at the time we had a pretty small faculty, so I had him in several contexts. Um, I remember working with him on uh, just a straight ahead site design project out on Hoover Reservoir and he got really into drawing sections and was just a, which was great. Um, and, but couldn't connect contours easily. And that, so that was a big left brain, right brain shift or something that was, you know, that took a while. Um, and then his class was also when we had requirement for students to do thesis, you know, we invited applied theses as well as, you know, research work. And so he and I ended up working together on his thesis at a time, uh, which was to do with the design of skate parks. And that, that would, that would be one of the, one of the ways we would, I wouldn't say reconnect, but when that came up later for him in his professional practice, he was quick to reach out to me. Um, so we shared that experience, which was again, a little bit different because uh, <laughs> I remember he had a, just a devil of a time, like I do, I think, uh, of being somebody who's creative and can draw and design, uh, but putting pen to paper for writing or for communicating ideas in a necessarily clear or linear fashion wasn't going to be the easiest thing. So <laughs> I remember uh, having him go and put all of the statements of his uh, thesis on note cards and organize them onto flow charts, <laughs> organize them <into> flow charts <laughs> which was quite honestly, you know, I never did a thesis as a student either at the undergrad or graduate level. And that was like straight up advice from like the sixth grade. I had. <laughs> <laughs> like when you're learning about citations and you're just like, Oh, you know, if you write stuff, and this is when you had to write stuff in books. Right. So it was like, you know, write down the factoid, flip it over, write down the citation, you know? And so, um, he, he goes, you need to know this, he's a hundred miles an hour. Right. And just mm -hmm. admirable and tough and tough for a lot of people. I know, you know, and I shouldn't probably qualify other people's reactions to him, but like, I know on the faculty side, it was like, Mike was, you know, he was, he was higher maintenance, you know, in some respects, but that's in my mind, that's like, well, if it, there's high maintenance and there's pestering and like, or I don't know if there's, you know, there's demanding or whatever, but um, his was always intention, well-intentioned. It was never about getting out of anything. It was never about, you know, exhausting anything. It was always, you know, just very genuine and, and, you know, earnest about, I want to, I want to know how to do this. You know, <laughs> I guess that goes back to the hard work thing, but like, you know, He's, he's had like more ups and downs than I ever knew as a, you know, once I got to know him after the fact, he, he, you know, he told me quite a bit about, you know, different things he's, he's kind of dealt with. And that's when you're like, damn, all right, yeah. you know, I'll give you, I'll give you a little bit more latitude there guy, you know? So <laughs> to me, he was the kid coming from Vegas and who had, you know, been in, uh, the uh, Coast Guard and stuff like that, and that's just stuff that's on a on a profile you know, for admissions. And 
Yeah, I mean, I the the substance abuse stuff. I we never really talked too much about until after he graduated, and then I know that he did it couple of years ago, he, you know, he did a, a talk and was really, really open about, so I listened to that and uh, was pretty, honestly, again, taken aback by the extent of, extent of stuff. And, but uh, particularly in graduate school where, you know, admissions is, well, admissions is a little bit more uh, open because it's smaller scale. So you do get to know people a little bit in, through their depending on how much they're engaging, you know, through their recruiting process and all that kind of stuff. But it's also a place where there's presumption of adulthood and, and you kind of, you know, you don't necessarily, particularly at the time, which was still kind of, I think, pre a lot of the attention to mental health and certainly at a university or institutional level, no attentions to, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, we're still very much in the grind it out studio all night mentality of, you know, hey, we did it. You all can do it kind of stuff. And in that regard, you know, you, I think you saw more people break before they, uh, before you learned to know why, you know, and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I don't know whether it was through intention or if he was more open with classmates or anything like that, but, you know, none of that really showed up like he was, I mean, he, you know, you'd have times where he was more or less prepared, but that's any student. Did it change like how you, I know you just said like you, you kind of go, Oh, well, damn. Like, Oh yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, um, cause kind of honestly, I mean, you know, you're in a position of, of authority, if you will. Um, and that, and I've, and I've been teaching long enough that I started teaching when my, when my students were all older than I was. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Michael and his classmates were probably just, just a little bit younger than I was at the time. So there was a, a real good chance. And I think this is one reason why we stay a little bit so that, you know, more, more kind of commonality there than, than otherwise. As he was getting ready to graduate and we, uh, I can't remember how it started, but we started playing golf once in a while. And, you know, I, then he was, he and his wife were expecting their first child, you know, there's his, his uh, classes were wrapping up. And so it was just, there was a lot of stuff all of a sudden that I was getting exposed to that, you know, people graduate and they tend to disappear for two or three years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they resurface with, you know, their next job change or some, you know, big life announcement stuff. But I, I wasn't sure if Michael would take a traditional route or even like, you know, be in landscape, you know, cause Heck, when he was here, he was doing, now I think about it, he was doing art shows, uh, you know, entrepreneurial stuff in the Short North, which is our arts district here. And, and uh, you know, so I think it would have been, at the time, I probably even did take it as like, I don't know what he's focused on and that kind of stuff, but he was active and he was into stuff. And then, <laughs> and then uh, we were playing golf one time, it was right after graduation, and he says to me something about, I can't remember the timeline he put on it, but he said something to me about his first million dollars or something. And I was like, I don't know. You know like I love, I love and think that that is a crazy, crazy statement, you know? So I, I think he's got a, uh, an appropriate amount of naivete and enthusiasm for most everything. And I, I think that there's times like we're thinking about again, as a student, like there's times when he was, 
he was doing things with that kind of attitude and spoke with assurance about it and didn't always meet people that were willing to accept that, right? Because I can think of a couple instances where it was like, you know, this is not a good review and you have to understand why this was not good review. And I think that I, I honestly, I don't think I was even his first thesis advisor. I think somebody might've booted him or something like that. So if you put your time in with Michael, you're not gonna, you're not wasting it, you know, cause mm-hmm. he, he's there, like I said, really genuinely and, and such, so. Have there been students like Michael since in that way that like maybe it helped you approach them differently? Like um, oh. energy all over. <laughs> energy, but, but I, I, I think he's definitely one of those people that when I get caught in putting people into categories or kind of thinking about people, like he's one of the people who's like, okay, I'm still surprised by Michael. You know, I've had, I've, I've made connections with Michael through, you know, my pro practice class. So like when I, when I want to have, have somebody talk about pursuing stuff, He's one of those people, you know, because like I, I was talking about like the skateboarding thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so did this thesis, graduates. Uh, I'm pretty sure the sequence was works for a small firm, kind of like he and another person, residential, you know, learns some stuff and then ends up at uh, one of the SWA offices, mm-hmm. you know, and that I think was the one where it was like, okay, I, you know, that was that because that was to me like all right something's something's evolved right something's happened there because you know those that's that's one of those you know firms where you can say they can pick whomever they like and right um and and it was also like not immediately the thought of like really that firm like that person that firm really okay Okay. yeah but um and he he reached out to me because he told me a story where, you know, they had a, and I'm pretty sure it was there because he was also, was it at Rios where he was? Yeah, also? he was also at Rios. Yeah. And it, so I'm pretty sure it was why he was at SWA, but it could have been Rios. You don't have to fact check me. But um, he said that there was a, there was a, a skate park project in the office, but he wasn't on it. And he was like, you know, I just, I just picture him in some, what I imagine an SWA office, like he's like, just, you know, pressed up against some glass conference window, uh, shaking his head or, or just wearing like, you know, uh, off the wall t-shirts all over the place or, you know, you know, doing ollies in the hallway or something like that to, you know, prove a point. But so he gets onto this project and, you know, eventually it gets executed and he's, he's over the moon about it. So that's, that's it. So I think he's, he's made the most out of whatever actual or false confidence he can carry. Yeah. <laughs> and, <you> know, <laughs> That's what, um, I was actually just having this conversation with a friend, not related to this at all, but we were talking about confidence and I was like, I don't know if I actually have a lot of great examples of people who are like, confident and not egotistical right like like you know you can kind of I think you can detect the ego before the confidence comes right so but I feel like what throws me off with Michael a little bit is that he's definitely got the confidence oh well he's kind of like 
got an ego about him, but then actually it's not. No, and I get that because I don't, I, I think you're absolutely right that we don't see genuine shared confidence very much, you know, because like, like you say, most of the time it's actually false confidence. When I think about people that I look up to, I was like, okay, the steadiness of people that really are capable and confident to the point that they can let, and this is obviously the big, big thing, they can let other people do things for them. They can let other people get credit for things. They can let other people, you know, make mistakes or have great success. You know, that, that I think obviously is the genuine confidence of it. And probably in that regard, it's, it's probably a little bit of why he's having some success as an instructor too. It's, you know, he's, and he's certainly in everything this project suggests and what he's done. <laughs> although, I mean, he's, he's opened himself up. So I, if that comes in, like if that comes across in his teaching, I have to believe students are either, you know, eat that up or are totally put off by it. Probably one of, one of the two. It's probably not yeah. much of them now. <laughs> A big thank you again to Jason and Sam for participating in today's episode. But also, I didn't realize this until just now while I'm editing the episode. Michael kind of came full circle from student back to teacher. And while I didn't get a chance to include all the audio I wanted from different participants, I did get to speak to a student of his, and it seems like Jason was correct. There was a lot of what carried over from his school experience um, and that confidence and able to relate to people during these stressful times of their life. So being open did seem to really resonate with at least one student of his. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you enjoyed the episode and were able to take away some lessons here for being bold and being yourself and to continue doing you and following your path and not expecting it or needing it to be linear in any type of way in order to find success. You can find this episode and more at thelandscapenerd.com. You can send me an email at thelandscapenerd.com at gmail.com. I'll talk to you soon.